Well, good evening. It's good to see everybody here tonight. Glad to have you with us online. We started just a few minutes late there, had to get a uh, presentation back up there on the screen. So welcome to you who are on fa Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Be sure to heart, to like, to share, to follow, subscribe, uh, retweet there on Twitter. Do all those things just to help to get the word out there. The more you do that, the more you share that. Even if you go back and share it after a service is over, uh, that helps also. Or if you go back and comment, that just gets it out there on their algorithms to, to show it to more people. So I encourage you to do that whether you're here in person or at home online. And I want to say welcome to those who may be listening on our phone live streaming. We're glad to have you with us uh, also tonight. If you have access to the church website, I encourage you to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab there that you can find to this week's worship bulletin. Uh, upcoming activities are in that and want to encourage you to, to get one of those. If you need one of those, they're in the windowsill. Uh, I think, I don't know if there's any over there, but I know there are some over here to my right. Uh, and there are some at the doors uh, either way uh, that you go. So be sure to get one of those or you can download it there on the website. Under that info tab, you can also get the children's worship bulletins there. They're over here to my right. You can pick up any of those paper copies that you want. I don't think anybody else is going to pick any up the rest of the week. So if you want to get some and hand them out or just leave them somewhere, uh, you can leave them in the doctor's office. If you go to the doctor's office, maybe there's some kid that'll be in there that'll pick them up. Or maybe some adult will want to do some puzzles. Uh, these have little games and things on them uh, to tell them the Bible verse. So you never know who might want to pick one of those up. So you can take those anytime. You can share those by sharing the link that's there on the website under the info tab. And also don't forget to get your prayer list downloaded. Uh, that's what we'll be going over tonight. So be sure to get there and get that. If you need to leave a prayer request or give us an update of someone, please go to our Facebook page and comment there. That's where we'll do the live updates of any prayer requests. You can comment on any of the others. We'll get those, but it just won't be during the live uh, broadcast here. Uh, so, and we'll add those if you do place them anywhere else there on any of the other platforms. Uh, while you're there on the website, also go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. You can do your regular on give, online giving. You can do your Annie Armstrong Easter offering giving. You can do those in the envelopes and place those in the offering plate in front of you. Uh, so be sure to do that. Be in prayer about giving towards uh, that with the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Even though it's after Easter, uh, we still haven't reached our goal quite yet. So I want to encourage you uh, to give towards that to help us uh, to reach that goal. So uh, I think that's all I have to say. Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us. Well, no need grabbing your hymnals tonight because the song we wanted to sing wasn't in the hymnal. So it's uh, in the celebration hymnal, so we're set up with that. So you'll have to look at the words on the screen and those at home uh, look at it on your screen also. But we're singing, actually the song is, in this book is called Cleanse Me. Uh, it actually is part of the scripture from Psalms saying, search me, O God, and know my heart. So 657 is what we're singing out of this book, Miss Pat.
that one miss pat <laughs> hopefully you had a moment there at least to get your um, prayer list downloaded or to get one in person if you need one in person they're on the front pews uh, there i've got a couple of things written on two different ones here uh, again we'll be on facebook to receive any live prayer requests so just want to remind you of that uh, I do have one on my phone, so I'm going to flip over uh, to a message that I received earlier this week uh, to share one with you here in just a moment, and then I'll go back to our, our live stream. Uh, let me just share uh, a few that we've added to the prayer list. Uh, we added some last week and then updated some uh, this week. Uh, one of the ones that we uh, had the wrong last name was Easton, 
um, I forget what the last name was that we had, Haley, I believe it was, uh, is Max, Easton Max. Brian Tate had called earlier this week and asked us if we would change that, so we've got that changed. Uh, we've added Melissa Shuren uh, with some medical issues. She's one of our substitute teachers for the CDC preschool. Uh, Tammy Sparkman, uh, who is the daughter of Leona Ross, uh, and uh, Rosie sent me this update on Monday about her. Uh, she has uh, bone cancer, uh, but she said, while they are still waiting for results from the multiple test scans and a biopsy, um, they said that the medical team let, her, let them know that Tammy had a moment of response today. She lifted her arms, turned her head, moved her eyes. They had to hold them open uh, and stuck out her tongue all upon request. Uh, that's really good news, they said. Uh, and the most responsive that she's been since right before being moved to the ICU last week. Uh, they said even though uh, when they were there, when some of the family was there, it seemed like Tammy was trying to move her head toward them, uh, though she couldn't open her eyes on her own. She said the extended, the attending nurse uh, seemed very excited that Tammy did all of those things on uh, Monday there. So they were gonna lessen the sedation and try to get her uh, near to the point where she could be trusted to breathe without uh, the breathing tubes and stuff. And so as far as the treatment plan for the cancer, they said that's still being discussed uh, down the road and will be decided on uh, later. Uh, but she did have an infection and they didn't know yet where that main infection was caused from, but they were hoping that as the results came back from the weekend testing, they would know more. Uh, but for now, at least that was good news. And so wanted to share that with you. And then I got a call right before uh, service tonight um, from Steve Stone, Terry's, uh, Terry Stone, his wife's uh, brother, Stephen Jolly, suddenly passed away uh, either last night or this morning. So uh, they're not sure exactly when that happened, but want to remember her in prayer. And then also Miss Carolyn Stone, Steve's mom, had been in the hospital earlier this week and is still there, but is doing better. They're getting her medic medications regulated and she may be possibly going home tomorrow. So uh, do keep her in your prayers as she recovers. And then you wanna share again with me, Miss Pat, about Donna Agcock so I can be sure to get that right. Okay, and so the specific request there uh, for Donna Agcock, who has breast cancer, that her platelets are very low, and so we just wanna pray that those will, that will get up. Uh, she has a sur surgery scheduled for May 1st, and so we wanna remember her in prayer so that if she doesn't get that up, if that doesn't come up, then she won't be able to have the surgery, uh, but we'll be praying that it will so that she can get that surgery uh, done. And then also we changed on the nursing home list, Bertie Davis, uh, who we had uh, at uh, uh, NHC, she is at Brookdale. So just wanted to make sure we got that changed also. Uh, there are some others that are on the list. Any other updates of any that we wanna share tonight or any other requests to add? on our eye. I 
Okay. So uh, that is on uh, John and Frida Anderson on the friends and family list there. It's on Frida uh, that they did do some treatment on her, uh, on her eye, uh, but uh, we don't know any update on that, but we know that they at least did that. So just pray that everything went well with that treatment and will continue to improve uh, for her. Okay, and so John is back at Life Care. They took him home for one night and then uh, had to take him back. And so he's at Life Care. So, any others? As I'm looking online, I don't see any comments there other than some of those that we're praying for or watching tonight. <laughs> and so, thank you for watching. You may have some unspoken prayer requests. Uh, oh, there is one other. I forgot I had things written on multiple lists here. Uh, Rhett Smith. Uh, we want to remember Rhett Smith in our prayers, too. Uh, Stan had texted me about him. Uh, he is, a, I, I don't know exactly his age, but I think he's about a year or less. Uh, he's, he was having some breathing problems uh, yesterday. They had him at one of the T-ball games. Uh, Pastor Matt was there even and had seen the family, seen uh, the little boy, and then they wound up having to take him to the hospital for some breathing issues, and they wound up taking him on uh, to Vanderbilt. And so I want to remember uh, him in prayer um, and that family in prayer. We haven't heard any update uh, on him yet. Um, and then also you'll notice at the bottom of the friends and family side, Bill Hargrove, that is Ann Smith's father. Uh, he is back in the hospital for the third time uh, with fluid building up on his legs and on his lungs. And so just want to be praying for him and for for that family also. Your dad? Okay, so Mike's dad's getting stronger, so we praise the Lord for that, but continue to pray. Anybody else? All right, I don't see any others there on Facebook, but we uh, encourage you to still make those comments. We'll try to look back at the very end and make sure if there's anything there that we need to share. Let's go to the Lord in prayer then for these requests as well as many others that may be upon your hearts tonight. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your grace and for your mercy and your loving kindness. And Lord, we pray that you will uh, hear our prayers. We know for you to hear our prayers, Lord. Uh, first of all, we, we need that relationship with you. So if we don't know Christ as our Lord and our Savior, I pray that we would call upon him and trust in him, uh, believe in what he has done for us uh, in his death and on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. Uh, the Bible tells us that when we uh, confess with our lips Jesus as Lord and we believe in our heart that you have raised him from the dead, the Bible says that we will be saved. And so, Father, I pray that we'll make sure that part is right first. And then as we know that, that we and have that assurance that we've uh, made our commitment to you as Lord and Savior, we ask, Heavenly Father, that you will forgive us of our sin. Because you've also told us in your word that if we hold on to sin, if we don't deal with sin in our hearts, uh, it, it acts like a wall between us and you in our prayers. It, it hinders our prayers. And the Bible says that you will not hear from heaven if we hold on to those sins. So help us, Lord, by bringing any sinful thoughts or actions or deeds in our hearts and our lives out into the light of the truth of your word. 
that we might confess those things, and Father, that we might be cleansed of all of our unrighteousness, uh, set upon the path of righteousness for your name's sake, and that you would hear us in our prayers on behalf of many others. Uh, Lord, there are some who are not here with us tonight, uh, that we just ask the Lord for your blessings to be upon them, for you to have your hand upon them, and to continue to work in their hearts and their lives, whatever it may be, whatever the situation may be for them. Uh, Lord, there are many that are on our prayer list uh, as we intercede for them. We've mentioned many uh, by name. And there are many others who we did not mention, but you know each person, you know their situation, their life circumstance. And so we just pray, God, for your healing hand to be upon each one of them, to bring that healing to their bodies and to their souls, to encourage them and strengthen them and help them, Lord, uh, in the days ahead. As they're, as they're walking through the valley, uh, Lord, in their life, I pray that uh, you will help them to shine forth the light of the truth of Jesus Christ as they trust in you more than ever before, that it'll be a witness and a testimony to many others of your saving grace and your mercy. Father, we pray that uh, it would be your will to bring that healing. We know you're the great physician, so we uplift them to you, Lord, and we ask your healing hand to be upon them. Touch them, Lord, and bring about an awesome work in their lives as you bring that healing to their bodies. Father, we pray that uh, you will use these things they're going through to be a witness and a testimony to many others, especially as you show your power uh, and your glory and your majesty in their hearts and in their lives by bringing that healing. May that be a witness also and a testimony of your saving grace. And Father, we just pray that uh, you will make your presence known to many of these. Many of these lords still have a, a long extended uh, trial or difficulty that they're facing. And Father, we pray that uh, you will walk with them one step at a time, one day at a time. May they lean upon you more than ever before and trust in you more than ever before. And we just ask your blessings upon them, Lord, that, that you will help them to continue to call out to you every day, to spend time in your word, uh, letting your word be a lamp unto their feet and a light unto their path. And Lord, there are many other needs that are in our lives as, as well as many others, Lord, maybe unspoken needs that we didn't mention tonight. And Father, we just know that you know what those needs are. And so we just bring them before you. We ask, Lord, for you to show yourself powerful. Uh, bring your presence into our hearts and into our lives. Uh, give us a peace, Lord, as we trust in you, knowing that you're going to see us through no matter what to the other side. Uh, and Lord, that ultimately to the other side is with you in heaven. And we look forward to that day. So help us to be faithful until that day comes. Uh, Father, that when we do uh, cross over to be with you uh, face to face, Lord, that uh, we will be ready for that day. We will have uh, done all the things we should have done uh, and said all that we should have said. Uh, Father, that we would live a life of no regrets and that when we come to the end of this life, uh, Lord, we could have a peace in our hearts uh, to know we did all those things that you called us to do. Lord, where we have not done that, we for ask for your forgiveness and your cleansing. And Father, we pray, especially tonight for our Wana kids, uh, this being their last night of Bible study uh, with our, our opening session, as well as uh, next week will be their celebration night. Lord, we pray that as we wrap Awana up uh, for this season, Father, I pray that you will help us to, to finish well. Help us, Lord, to have a, a great closing to Awana, even tonight, that the kids will uh, learn your word. And, Lord, may they memorize these scriptures. May they learn more about missions. Uh, may they continue, Lord, to, to sing praises to your holy name. And, and, Lord, I pray that next week when we join with them, uh, that it will be a blessing uh, to them as well as a blessing to us. 
uh, as they join to worship together and to fellowship with one another and with the families that will be here. Father, we ask your blessings tonight upon your word as we enter into another book in the Minor Prophets. We ask, Lord, that you will speak clearly to us. Uh, that you'll make your word powerful and alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll use it in our hearts uh, to, to help us, Lord, to, to understand how it can apply to our hearts and our lives even today, that we would remain faithful to you in, in seeing this vision. Uh, Lord, I pray for our youth who are meeting with Pastor Matt and, and other youth leaders. We ask, God, that you would uh, just bless them as they continue to grow. Give them a hunger and a thirst for, for knowing you more fully in their hearts and in their lives. Uh, some of those will also be graduating this year, and we just pray, God, that you'll continue to prepare their hearts for uh, life ahead. Some will be going to college, some into uh, a vocation. Uh, Father, we just pray that you will lead them in their journey uh, of all of their life and continue to prepare them as they close the chapter uh, on this part uh, of their life. And so, Father, we ask your blessings tonight in a powerful way, and we ask for your spirit to be here in our presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Obadiah. You wonder, where is the book of Obadiah. It is a very, very tiny book. In fact, it is the shortest book in all of the Bible. So if you open up your Bible and you find anywhere around uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, just keep turning to the right before you get to Matthew, uh, you're going to come across it. So you'll have Hosea, you'll have Joel, which we've already gone through. We have Amos, which we just finished up last week. And now we have Obadiah. Uh, here and so uh, it's just a very small uh, book there. I'd tell you the page number, but it wouldn't correspond to your Bible. <laughs> so. All right, so here in Obadiah chapter one, there is only one chapter. Uh, that's all there is. Uh, as we look, we just want to look at uh, beginning here with with Obadiah one and verse one. And the Bible says this: the vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom, we have heard a report from the Lord and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up, let us rise against her for battle. And so that's what we just want to begin with and looking at here in this vision of Obadiah. In the Hebrew Bible, as we've said before, just want to refresh, especially if you have just joined us maybe online uh, in our study through these uh, minor prophets. Uh, in the Hebrew Bible, the minor prophets are known as the 12. There's 12 of them. Uh, and that's interesting in the fact that you think about there are 12 disciples. Uh, there were 12 tribes. Uh, of the nation of Israel, and there's 12 uh, minor prophets, or what we call minor prophets. Now, how do we distinguish them as minor prophets versus major prophets like uh, Jeremiah, like Ezekiel, like Daniel, like Isaiah? Uh, what is the difference between them? Remember that term minor prophet is a misnomer because we're not implying by the use of that title that their messages are less important. Primarily, they're called that because of the briefness of their message. They're smaller. And so really, you could call them smaller prophets, but then what are we talking about? Are we talking about their height? No, we're, we're talking about smallness uh, of the books themselves. And so that's kind of what the, the minor literally means there. Uh, so uh, what they had to say, though, was exceedingly important. 
Every one of these prophets had a point to make uh, and had a message to give. And Obadiah uh, is, is no exception. Now, the book of Obadiah begins with this simple statement, the vision of Obadiah. That's the way it begins. The only thing to know about this prophet you find right there in that phrase. Now, Amos, we, know, we knew a little bit about him. Obadiah, this is all we know, that he had a vision that the Lord called him to speak about and to write about, and that's about all we know. We don't know the date when Obadiah lived. Uh, we don't know the period of time when he prophesied. We don't know anything about his background. All that we know is that he's a man named Obadiah. Now, there are 13 men in the Old Testament named Obadiah. So if you went through the Old Testament and you saw the names, you would come across the name Obadiah in other places. Probably the most familiar one of those, uh, besides this prophet, is the Obadiah who was one of the compromising prophets in the days of Elijah who was working under the direction of the wicked king Ahab. But we don't have any indication uh, that, that any uh, of, of the other Obadiahs, including that Obadiah uh, that was mentioned in the Bible, are this prophet Obadiah. Uh, his name means the servant of the Lord. Now, the interesting thing about this book of Obadiah is that it's a book written to two brothers, to two nations that came from two brothers who have through the centuries been involved in a family feud. And this is why you could call Obadiah the prophet of the family feud. Uh, now, you're going to see here and notice that it says in the second sentence there, thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. Now, you're going to want to circle that or highlight that word Edom uh, because that is the theme of the prophecy of Obadiah. It has to do with the nation of people known as Edom. Now, in the Bible, there's a family feud, as we said, that begins all the way back in the book of Genesis. It began with two twins who were born in the home of Isaac and Rebekah. You remember what their names were? Jacob and Esau, right? Jacob and Esau. In the beginning of their lives, as they grew up, there was no love loss between those two. Those twins were very different in their nature. Jacob was more of a homebody. He was more uh, of a domestic uh, child. He stayed around home uh, a whole lot, stayed around his mom quite a bit. Esau, on the other hand, or Edom, uh, was a rugged outdoorsman. Uh, they were very different in their personalities. They were very different in their nature. Uh, you'll remember that Jacob stole the birthright of Esau. Uh, and, and what did Esau say he was going to do? He was going to kill his brother Jacob. And so from the earliest years, there was this family animosity, this hostility, this strife between these two. Now Esau, he settled, moved, and settled down in, in, down in the southern portion of the Dead Sea. And, and from Esau comes this nation of people that we call Edom or the Edomites, as you'll see them sometimes referred to uh, in the Bible. Now, if you really want to get some more Bible background on them, uh, let me give you a couple of verses to jot down and you can look at them later. Uh, is Genesis 36 and verse 1. And then verse 8 through verse 9. Really, that whole chapter there uh, gives you a little bit more information about Edom. We're told that Esau is Edom, 
that Esau is the father of Edom. And so when you read about the Edomites, remember that these are the descendants of Esau, the twin brother of Jacob. Now, the other nation that's dealt with in this one chapter is the book of Israel, is the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is, is one of the fantastic, fascinating studies in the scriptures uh, and in the history uh, of the human race. So here are these two nations that are dealt with in the book of Obadiah and throughout their history, there's that animosity, that clashing between the two. So when Israel came up out of the land of Egypt, they were going through the wilderness, going through the promised land, and they came to the region of the Edomites, and they requested to pass through. Now, so remember, Jacob and Esau was way before uh, the time that, that the Israelites were in Egypt, uh, when Joseph had gone down to Egypt. Uh, Abraham and, and Lot uh, were, were up and uh, just come to the land and began to survey the land. You remember they had separated. God told Abraham, wherever you step your foot, I'm going to give you everything here. Uh, then Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob and Esau. And so it was just a few generations there. And then after Jacob grows up and gets married, eventually he has those 12 sons. And then eventually they go to Egypt. So on their way back from Egypt, from that time of exile there and captivity in Egypt, they're coming up out of Egypt. They're going through the wilderness. They're coming to the promised land. They come to the region of the Edomites. If you were to look at a Bible map in your Bibles, that would be somewhere around the bottom of the Dead Sea before they're crossing there, uh, the Jordan River. And so as they come there, uh, they, they requested permission just simply to pass through the land of Edom, through the land of the Edomites. And, and they said to them, they said, we're, we're, we're not going to eat any of your fruit of your land. We're not going to take any spoils here. All we want to do is just pass through your land. But the Edomites refused to do it. They refused to allow the Israelites to even come through their land. Uh, much less eat any fruit or any food off of their land. So later on, when Jerusalem fell uh, un, uh, under the attack of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, as we'll see later after Obadiah does, gives this prophecy, uh, the Edomites, they began to take pleasure uh, and rejoice in the terrible circumstances uh, of the Jewish people, even down to the time of Jesus, when Jesus was born. If you remember King Herod, King Herod was an Edomite king. Uh, so all through the centuries, there has been that animosity and that hostility between these two nations. In fact, uh, we witness in our current history that animosity uh, and that feuding that, that continues to go on uh, over there in the nation of Israel in that, in that land. Now, the book of Obadiah is the classic statement of God against anti-Semitism. Uh, this is God's message of warning to any nation on this earth who mistreats the Jewish people that he has chosen. Uh, God has given a very definite word concerning that. If you look over to Genesis 12 and verse 2 and verse 3, uh, God says this about the nations of the world and how they treat uh, the Jewish people. He says in Genesis 12 verse 2, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. That sounds great, but notice verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
And so if we want blessing, you better be sure you're not on the wrong side here, that you're being a blessing to the nation of Israel, a blessing to the Jewish people, and not dishonoring the Jewish people. So God says those who curse the Jews, I'm going to curse them, and those who bless the Jews, I'm going to bless them. And, and you know we found that to be exactly true uh, all throughout history. I think one of the reasons that God has blessed us as a people here in America uh, is because of our favorable treatment uh, of the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. God says, you can't mistreat my people. They are my chosen people. And so Edom chose to curse Israel, to despise God's particular treasure. So in response to that, God sends judgment and doom upon Edom. Now there's two basic things that we're going to see in this book of, of Obadiah, the shortest book in all the Old Testament. In the first 16 verses, Obadiah sees in his vision the defeat of Edom. But then in verses 17 through verse 21, we see the deliverance of Israel. So we see first the defeat of Edom. That's the first thing we want to notice. There are two main things he's trying to say in this book. That's those two main things. So in verse 1, uh, notice that with me uh, again there. He says, Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom, We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up, let us rise against her for battle. So here's the message that God sent to the Edomites, a message of judgment that God is going to do something to that nation. Now, as you look at those opening verses uh, that have to do with Edom, there's three basic things we learn about their defeat. First, you learn about the cause of their defeat. Uh, notice he said there, we heard a report of the Lord and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up, let us rise up uh, against her. Uh, here is, we, we learn about their defeat. You learn about the course of their defeat uh, and, and you learn of the consequences of their defeat. And when you come to verse two, it says, behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. Now the Hebrew verb there is what is known as the prophetic perfect. It really could be read there, I am going to make you small among the nations. I'm going to do that. Uh, so he hadn't done it yet. It was something out in the future that he's going to do. It's a prophetic perfect. So you see in God's eyes, it, when he says something like that, I'm going to do this, it's as good as done. Uh, God has pronounced his judgment upon them. And God has said, I'm going to bring you down. Look at verse 3. He says, here's the reason. The pride of your heart has deceived you. Who, you who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Now, in that one verse there, you see a nation that is filled with pride. Uh, uh, that's a reason, uh, there's a reason for the pride of the Edomites. When the Edomites went down to that southern part of the Dead Sea, down below the Dead Sea, they settled in, in a very mountainous area there, uh, in a rocky region. In fact, they built as their capital city a place called Petra. You ever heard of the place called Petra? 
If you ever look it up online or, or even look in a Bible dictionary, sometimes you'll see it. Uh, it, it has, uh, it's just like you're going through a canyon almost, and you'll see uh, like a, 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 a temple building looking etched into the stone on the sides of the cliff with an entrance into the mountain basically itself, into the clefts uh, of the rock there. Uh, and that's exactly what they did. It was a city that was carved into the rocks, in fact. And you maybe even have, have seen it if you watch the Indiana Jones movies. I think there was one of those that had that also in there in Petra. Uh, and so it was literally that city carved out in the rocks. In fact, the ruins of that city are one of the wonders of the world. Now, because of their, the location of their city, because they were completely covered by mountains and were located in the rocks, they had this idea we're absolutely invincible. Uh, we're beyond the ability uh, of, of attack by the enemy. They thought they were impregnable. They were inaccessible. And so they allowed themselves to get filled with pride. Uh, that They didn't need God. Uh, they were very prideful because of their position. And so that's what he's talking about in verse 3 when he says, The pride of your heart has deceived you. They lived in the cleft of the rock. So they were saying in their heart, who's going to bring us down? We're the big guys. You think about that even today about America. Uh, there is, could be easily be said that about us as America also, that we sometimes have that attitude ourselves. We're the greatest nation in the world, and who's going to bring us down? I mean, there's nobody who could stand up against us. And we become prideful in our hearts like the Edomites. And so God, uh, we see here, uh, this is one of the things that God hates. They were filled with pride um, and, and a pride of a position. Uh, and so Proverbs 16 and verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. In fact, one of the reasons that the devil fell, that Satan fell from heaven, was because of his pride. He wanted to be lifted up to the position of God. He wanted to, to take God's place. He, he lifted up his heart against God. And God resists the proud, the Bible tells us, but he gives grace to the humble. So God doesn't want pride in our lives any more than he wanted it in the nation of Edom. So God says this in verse 4, to that haughty, prideful nation. He says, Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. See, they thought, they're way up there, we're way up here, we're like the eagle, we can just soar, nobody can touch us, we're invincible, nobody can touch us. And God says, well, wait a second, I will. And they were saying, who's going to bring us down? God, God says, you may be unreachable to man, but you're not inaccessible to him. When you begin to get your heart filled with pride, even like the Edomites, you're doomed, destined for the fall. And so when he talks about how complete God's judgment or God's doom upon them is going to be, notice verse 5 down through verse 9. He says, If thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, how you have been destroyed. Would they not steal only enough for themselves? If great gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? How Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out. 
Verse 7, all your allies have driven you to your borders. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. You don't got a clue uh, about what's going on, he's saying. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau? And your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Timon, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. So he's pointing to the fact here that they're going to be taken captive. That strong, mighty nation uh, is going to be carried away. Uh, and, and then you read there uh, in verse 10, uh, in verse 10 he says, because, why, why is he going to do this? Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. And so he gives the, the reason here, the course of, of their defeat uh, for, because they're, uh, it's coming to pass. He, he's, he is as good as done uh, as he's talking about their judgment. And so he tells here why God is going to judge them in such a fashion. You know, every time you read, especially in the Old Testament about God's judgment, he doesn't leave the people wondering why is this happening. In fact, he doesn't leave us wondering. All you have to do is read his word and, and understand that, that certain things, if you do them or you don't do them, are going to lead down a path that leads to destruction uh, for your life. And so you need to be sure of what God's word says. And so God says judgment is going to come upon the nation because of your treatment of your brother Jacob. And then he describes what they did. And I think it's very interesting as you look at verse 11 here. Verse 11 says, on the day that you stood aloof, on that day, what's he talking about when you stood aloof? He's talking about that time when, when you, didn't, you wouldn't be there for your brother uh, when he needed your help. On that day when you stood aloof, on that day the strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. And so this is probably a reference to Jerusalem in the time of Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar goes into the city of Jerusalem. Uh, the Edomites, what did they do? They came to watch it. They came to, to be spectators of all uh, that, that Babylon was coming uh, to do. To, to come and to watch that devastation on your brother, how ugly that was. I mean, they, they just kind of joined in with the enemy. Verse 12 goes on to say, uh, But do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of of distress, distress. You see, what happened was when Jerusalem was falling, when the wall was being torn down, the wall that later Nehemiah comes back to rebuild, but when that wall was being torn down, the Edomites, they're standing over there on the sidelines and they're clapping and they're saying, yes, whoo, hot dog, pour it to them, let them have it. And they're rejoicing. Look at Psalm 137 and verse 7 through verse 9. Here's what the psalmist says. It's a little quotation of what happened and how they did it. It says, Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, Lay it bare, lay it bare, 
down to its foundations. That's what the Edomites were saying about their brother Jacob, about the, the, their own blood kin there, uh, speaking about Jerusalem. Just let them tear it all down. Uh, lay it bare, lay it bare, tear it down to its foundations. Old daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed. Blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. That's what they were doing, the Babylonians were doing to the Jewish people in Jerusalem and to their babies. And the Edomites are standing over here cheering it on. Their own brothers. You get the picture of what an ugly people they were, the Edomites. I mean, here were people in a bad circumstance. Here was a nation who was falling. And these Edomites had such hostility and such hatred in their hearts that while they're tearing down the walls, they're egging on the enemy. They're encouraging them on, tear it down right to the foundation. Obadiah verse 13 says, Do not enter the gate of my people. In the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. In other words, after the destruction, here come the Edomites right on into the city. And, and they say, do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. You know what they did? They walked in and they looted the city of Jerusalem. They not only egged on the enemy, but they participated themselves in looting the city. They, they walked right in, and, and we see that happen sometimes today, especially in, in, in major cities when there's uh, rioting and protesting, people looting uh, of businesses that had nothing to do with the issues that were particularly going on, and we see that happen today. Uh, and so we've seen that take place, and we've seen the tragedy uh, in so many places when that's happened. And uh, this is what the Edomites did. They walked in to an unprotected, hurting, fallen people, and they stole from them. Their own blood, their own brothers. But that wasn't all. Notice what verse 14 goes on to say. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. In other words, they got out there at the crossroads and there were some who were trying to escape, some of those poor Jewish people who were trying to run away. And what were the Edomites doing? They were standing out there and catching them and turning them over to the enemy and even killing them, cutting them off from the family. These Edomites were a mean group of people. And so God says, that's why I'm judging you. That's why you as a nation are going to be defeated. Notice verse 15 down through verse 16. We see this uh, emphasis again on the day of the Lord that Joel gave to us when we read the book of Joel. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had never been. In other words, God said to the nation, you're going to get what you gave. 
Isn't that the principle of what the New Testament tells us? You reap what you sow. And so this is God's message of defeat for Edom. It's his message of judgment to this nation that mistreats his city. So we not only see the defeat of Edom, we now see the deliverance of Edom because you come to verse 17. And remember verse 1 through down through verse 16 uh, was talking about the defeat of Edom. Now a change happens in verse 17. There's a shift in the emphasis, if you will. So don't you love that word again? We saw it in Amos. We saw it in Joel. And now you see it again in Obadiah. The very first word of verse 17 is what? But. But in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape and it shall be holy and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. And so now there's this shift and, and God through Obadiah begins to speak to the nation of Israel. You've suffered under Edom. You suffered under the Babylonians, but you suffered also because of your, your own kin here, uh, Edom out of Esau. And he says, I'm going to give you a message of deliverance. Mount Zion is one of the hills of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is literally a city uh, of hills. Uh, the temple area is located on Mount Moriah. What happened on Mount Moriah? That's where Abraham offered his son Isaac uh, as a sacrifice. And that's where the temple mount uh, is. On the east... Uh, side of Jerusalem there, you've got the Mount of Olives. Remember the Mount of Olives? That's where Jesus uh, went to and had the Olivet Discourse that we begun last Sunday in Matthew chapter 24. It's also the same place that the Garden of Gethsemane is over on the Mount of Olives. And then on the west of Mount Moriah is Mount Zion. Mount Zion is where the kings live. So when you, uh, if you go there to Jerusalem, uh, you'll see David's uh, residence place, one of his places that's been uh, unearthed there through the archaeological uh, things. And you'll see there, that is Mount Zion where the kings live. So Mount Zion is a reference to Israel. And he's saying that Mount Zion, uh, Israel, is going to experience deliverance and there will be holiness. In other words, God says there will be a cleansing. I'm going to cleanse my people Israel. Now, if you remember May 1948, when Israel went back to reclaim their land, they went back as a people in unbelief because many of the Jewish peoples, uh, because of the terrible persecution that they had experienced, had come to be unbelieving. Uh, so when you look back at the, the Israel returning back to their homeland, uh, don't look at it as an indication of spiritual revival on their part. Because when they came back, it wasn't a spiritual revival uh, that brought them back. It was purely a political matter to them. But God says there is still going to be a deliverance for them. Now, we've talked about this before, especially when we're looking at this term, the day of the Lord, as it was given to us in Joel and Amos and now again in Obadiah, that when the prophets give you that vision, many times it's as you're looking at a mountain range. You can go around here anywhere and you can see the mountains. But as you look at the mountains, especially if you're looking at them uh, from any elevated point where you can see across the trees and all that stuff to actually see the mountains, you, you can see those mountains, but you see the first range. But there's other ranges behind them, a succession of mountains before it comes back down to another valley uh, area. 
I remember when we lived up in Upper East Tennessee, it was that way in Johnson County. We had three sets of mountains, basically, uh, that divided the county. Uh, you had uh, three valleys in the area. You had Shady Valley, you had Doe Valley, and you had Rome Valley, separated by three different sets of mountains there. When you look at those and you go up in the mountain areas there, you would look at them, it all just it looks as a blur, like it's just one mountain. But when you look closer, it's not just one mountain, it's multiple mountains. And, and so when the, when the prophets were giving their visions, it's kind of like that. There's always a part that has to do with them in the immediate. He's always prophesying, the prophets are, about what's going to happen to, my, to God's people right now. But you'll see as we saw in Joel, as we saw in Amos, and even as we see here in Obadiah, uh, there is still some of the prophecy that's left to be fulfilled out there in the future. So even though the nation of Israel came back in 1948, it was a political decision, not a revival, not a coming back to God uh, decision. What we see is there is still yet to come out in the future because we haven't seen it happen yet in the past. You can go back and look through all the history uh, of the nation of Israel from the time of this prophecy of Obadiah. It never happened, not even in the days of Jesus because you remember right after Jesus was crucified and the disciples began to go out and to share the gospel in AD 70, the whole place was destroyed again. And the Israelites were, the Jewish people and the Christians were dispersed. Uh, amongst the nations and so they didn't have that homeland anymore until 1948 and so now that they've come back it's not a spiritual revival so there's still this part of prophecy that Obadiah says uh, here in verse 17 but in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape and it shall be holy and 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 the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions so there was a part of this that gets fulfilled when uh, they come back from the exile with uh, Babylon. But the ultimate fulfillment of this is still yet out in the future. So God is going to spiritually purify his chosen people. And, and so he makes this remarkable prediction as you look there at the last part of verse 17 and going into verse 18. He says, And the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. What a powerful judgment that's coming on Esau, on Edom. And then you read verse 19 down through verse 20, and you're going to see that word possess used several times. Now, when we studied uh, back going through the Old Testament itself and looking at how do you study the Bible, one of the things, that, and I've reminded you of this before, when you see a word that is repeated in a short frame of verses or a one verse or a paragraph, if that word is repeated multiple times over, it's an important word, and you need to pay attention to what it's saying. This word possess, notice how many times that it's repeated over and over in verse 19. Verse 19 says, those of the Negev shall possess Mount Esau, and those of the Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. So four times in that one verse, verse 20. 
the exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath. And the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Sheparag shall possess the cities of the Negev. So that makes six times now that that word has been used. Verse 21, saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord. So in those two verses though, in verse 19 and 20, at least six times there that word possess is used. Now that's a prediction that ultimately Israel is going to possess all of the land that God promised them over there at that time. Do they possess all of that land now? No, they're still fighting about who controls it now. In fact, that's one of the, the big issues uh, there, the, there in the Middle East is who's going to possess the land. One of the burning issues there uh, that focuses on that situation uh, it, uh, that's unresolved is who gets what. But you see, God has predicted that down yonder somewhere, they are going to possess their possession, that they're going to have everything that God promised they would have. And that's why you read there in verse uh, 21. I'm sorry, I didn't advance the screen there for you, but hopefully you're following along in your Bible. Verse 21 says, Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. And so he closes out his vision with this tremendous prediction. In other words, similar to the times of the judges in their history, in a future day, there are going to be judges, deliverers, who are going to work under the guidance of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ himself. And they're going to judge this nation of Edom. And then it says the kingdom will be the Lord's. It simply means that one of these days Jesus is going to come and to establish his kingdom. Now the disciples thought he was going to do that in, in their day. But he came then to suffer and to die on the cross to pay for our sin. He's coming again. And when he comes again, he's coming as king to rule over his kingdom. And so one of these days, he is going to establish that kingdom. He's going to rule from the city of Jerusalem. And this world is going to be brought under his authority and under his reign, under the reign of Jesus Christ. And so that is why he closes this book the way that he does. But in conclusion, I want to point out to you what I believe is the deeper message of the book of Obadiah. It's back there in verse 6. It's back there in verse 6. Remember what it said? Do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day, in their day of distress. One Hebrew scholar has translated that statement, how are the things of Esau laid bare or stripped bare? And actually what takes place in this book of Obadiah is, is an unveiling of Edom. It's a picture of the true nature of Edom. Two brothers who were feuding, Jacob and Esau, and those two nations, Israel and Edom, are a spiritual picture not only of them but also of us and the conflict that goes on in our lives between the flesh and the spirit. That's why Galatians chapter uh, 5 verse 17 says this, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things 
you want to do. That's a picture of what happens in our lives. There is a spiritual warfare, a family feud, if you will, that's going on. A battle between the old fleshly nature of ours, uh, that old Esau in us, and the spiritual nature that's in us. So what, is the, what the book of Obadiah does is just to lay bare the flesh, and he shows us what flesh is really like. It shows us, for instance, the tremendous pride of flesh. You know, one of our greatest problems for us is pride. We get to the point where we think we're really something. We, we think we're too big for anything. God says everything that exalts itself, I will bring down. So through this book of Obadiah, you can see what you can see flesh revealed for what it really is. And as we've been shown, the only solution of the flesh is that it is to be judged by God, judged by what Jesus did for us on the cross, his precious blood that was shed for our sins. And so we've been shown that solution. The only way we can deal with our old fleshly nature of ours is to submit it to the Lord and to allow him to rule and to reign over our lives. When we, see, when we allow the Savior to come to Mount Esau, to the place of pride in our life, when we allow the Savior to reign and to rule in our lives, that begins to put the flesh down, and there comes deliverance, and there comes victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, that you've made a way that even in our pride, Lord, we can come before you and seek your forgiveness. So we come before you tonight, Lord, asking you to cleanse us, to purify us in our hearts, to help us, Lord, to live faithfully for you each and every day. Lord, bless us in the days ahead, and may we be a blessing to others, showing them the good news of the gospel message of Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us there online on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, on our phone live streaming. We look forward to seeing you Sunday. If you can come in person, come and join us. Uh, hope to see everybody that's here uh, back again too. Uh, we'll be here Sunday morning, 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship. You come and join us. You have a safe, you have a good week and stay safe and we'll see you this coming Sunday.